0: Amen, amen. It is uh, quite an honor today to be able to introduce to you uh, the man of God that's going to minister the word of the Lord and just flow with what's happening and let God use him to uh, impact uh, the work of God today. I shared with you last week that uh, besides um, the ministry of my father and father in law, Brother Godwin's ministry in the formative years of my ministry was uh, very, very impactful. Uh, Probably the most impactful outside of uh, my father at that time. And uh, I uh, was in a revival service as a a very young minister just starting out when uh, uh, Brother Godwin came and preached a revival at our church in Tennessee where we were. And uh, then he was preaching revivals in the area. And uh, needless to say, great things were happening in the spirit realm. The one thing that I uh, began to observe and notice was something that I didn't recognize or didn't, wasn't able to quantify or term at that point, but I understand now what it was. It's called apostolic authority. And just like when Jesus was speaking and the people that heard him were astounded and said, he speaks with authority, not as the spy, not, not, not as the scribes. And uh, when uh, Brother Godwin ministers the word of the Lord, there is an apostolic authority that accompanies the word of the Lord. And uh, I am so grateful. We've been desiring to have him here for a long, long time. And I'm so grateful that he's going to be with us today and Monday night and Tuesday night at the Pasadena campus. But I just want God to speak to me today. And if you guys want to join in with me, I, uh, Brother God, when you have my permission just to preach to my wife and I if you want to. But I want you guys to join in as well because I want to receive the word of the Lord today. And I'm so thankful. For Brother Godwin, who has selflessly given himself to the ministry, and uh, I want you just to take your liberty and, and say whatever God's given you. God bless you.
1: Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise, everybody. Amen. Amen. It's great. It's great to be in the house of the Lord and give honor to. Pastor and his wife, Amen. How many of you appreciate Pastor and Sister Brown, Amen? Thank you, Jesus, Amen. And it's an honor to be here. Also honored to be here with David, Amen, Brother David Keller from Fort Wayne, great friend of mine. Appreciate them and all the family, Amen. Thank you, Jesus, Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's take them out to Genesis 12. Genesis 12, I can tell we preach from iPads here Amen So I've got a little bit too much for Amen this, thank you very much Amen, if you keep playing time, I quit talking You'll have cramps in your fingers, amen What great music, amen, here today And worship, thank God for that Amen Genesis 12 and 1 and also Joshua 4 and 18 Genesis 12 and 1 and Joshua 4 and 18. and It's an honor to be here. We were in San Francisco last Sunday. Preached three times in Union City, San Francisco and Modesto and then flew to Wichita, uh, Kansas and uh, preached the last five nights there. Jumped the plane headed here. Got in yesterday evening, had a good meal and thought I was going to have to preach twice a day but Brother Morgan's got Brother Black preaching today so I'm chilling out today. I'm going to hit you one time. I should have Uncork my golf clubs. We could play golf later tonight, since I'm in California. Hallelujah. Amen. I do feel it the will of the Lord to be here, and uh, Amen. Feel like the Lord's going to do some great things these next three Amen services. Joshua 12 and one. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. Everybody say unto a land that I will shew thee I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. Notice I'm going to make of thee you Abram are the ingredients for a great nation I'm going to bless thee I'm going to make your name great and you will be A blessing. Joshua 4 and verse 18. And it came to pass when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of Jordan. And the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up unto the dry land that the waters of Jordan returned unto their place and flowed over all his banks as they did before. And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day. Everybody say they came up out of Jordan. On the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho and those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. Everybody say in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel saying when your children shall ask their fathers in time to come saying what mean these stones then ye shall let your children know saying Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. Genesis 12, the Lord said, Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation. But in Joshua 4, when this is actually beginning to come to pass, the Spirit of the Lord stops them at a place called Gilgal. So I want to preach for the next little bit today, since I've only got one message to preach today, I'm going to preach for a little bit, and everybody said an amen, we'll make sure he preaches a little bit. If you don't say amen, I preach a long time. So amens are a key to a short message. (laughs) But I want to preach amen on this subject uh, from Gilgal to greatness. From Gilgal to greatness. Everybody say, I'm on the way to greatness. Turn around to three people and say, you're on the way to greatness. Amen. Come on, turn to somebody else and tell them you're on the way to greatness. The Lord bless you. God said to Abraham, I will make your name great, and I will make you a great nation. Now, let me give you just a little, uh, put this whole passage and story into context for us. We are now in the grace dispensation. So, what difference and what bearing does this story even have on us? Two passages of Scripture. In the New Testament 1 Corinthians 10 and Hebrews 4 Deal directly with this story of Israel Coming out of Egyptian bondage And headed to the promised land It has prophetic implications upon the church Number one, because the Bible says in Galatians That Jesus was made a curse for us That the blessing Everybody say that the blessing Of Abraham would come upon us so Calvary and Christ hanging on that cross and dying, being hung high and spread wide is more than just to allow us to be born again or to help us get to heaven. But this has happened so that when we are born again, we are literally by the Spirit baptized into Abraham's bloodline. Amen. Therefore, or because of the cross, what the Lord has promised Abraham in Genesis 12 is is made available to us some of the other things that was promised abram not only will i bless thee and make your name great but he said in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed and I will bless them that bless thee. And I will curse them that curse thee. So there is a blessing, amen, on us. Number one, that the whole world can be blessed because of us. So I want to preach to this church today, Life Church, that you've got to begin to believe that from this property, you can bless the entire world. That you can literally bless every family on this planet. How do you do that? You do that by number one living for God Number two by being a spirit filled person That makes you uh, a person that's outside of dimensions You have no dimensions that can hold you you, are, you have eternity in you So that means you can help affect people's past, present and future So you can affect people from right here In their past, in their present and in their future Look at somebody and ask them Do you know who you're sitting by? Now, do I have anybody going to help me? Amen. Is the sound on out there? Or are y'all just going to look at me? Amen. Look at somebody and say, you need to help him preach now. Amen. So we have to begin to believe that God, through his spirit, allows us to become part of this Abrahamic blessing. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us we were all baptized under the cloud and in the sea exactly like Uh, Our fathers in the wilderness So it justifies and clarifies our new birth experience In that we repent and are baptized in Jesus' name For the remission of sins And that we are then filled with the Holy Ghost Paul says that experience is a fulfillment Of what happened to our fathers in the wilderness But something very astounding happens in Hebrews 4 When Paul says the gospel preached to them Profited them nothing How did it profit them nothing? It profited them nothing because there was a generation that stopped short of greatness. Look at somebody and say, I don't want to be short of greatness. Amen. They 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 didn't finish what God had started. He told them, I'm gonna bring you up out of the land of Egypt. I'm gonna bring you not only up, but I'm gonna bring you out of that. And not only am I gonna bring you out of the land of Egypt, but I'm gonna bring you unto the land of promise. I'm gonna pick you up in your bondage, in your habits, in the chains, in the whip of the taskmaster. I'm gonna bring you up, but I'm also gonna bring you out. Is there anybody in this house that's excited that God can and pick you up in whatever you're in. Amen. It doesn't matter what you're in, the gospel can pick you up. He can pick you up in habits. He can pick you up in sin. He can pick you up in oppression. He can pick you up in depression. If you are born again, you become a new creature. Touch somebody next to you and say, he can pick you up. Amen, he can pick you up. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Amen, he can pick you up. So it doesn't matter what you've been battling, God can pick you up. But then aren't you thankful that he not only picks you up, but he can bring you out. He can save you in the sin, but he wants to bring you out of the sin. Somebody say amen. And so this is happening. It is a journey into greatness. It is important to understand that we are together today as a part of a journey, a journey into greatness. This journey began a process that would end up resulting in greatness. The prophetic utterance was passed down from Abraham to Isaac and from Isaac to Jacob and from Jacob to Joseph. But Joseph ends up in Egypt as was prophesied to Abraham. Not only will your seed possess this land, not only will they possess, the word is seize, apprehend, overtake, or come upon, but they will go into captivity four hundred years. Can I preach to somebody and tell you that part of the prophetic was not just the blessing and greatness and the whole earth being blessed, but part of what was prophesied to Abram was your seed, your descendants are going to go into bondage. Can I tell somebody today, there's no reason for you to let the enemy be you down because you're in a mistake or you've sinned or because you're in some form of bondage. Amen. The prophecy was they're going into captivity. They're going to be there 400 years. They're going to be there longer than they planned. They're going to be there under worse condition than they ever imagined. But I want to tell you it was part of the prophecy. But not only was the captivity part of the prophecy, he said Abraham, I'm going to bring them out. So I got good news for somebody today you may have come in here bound with your past and bound with a sin and bound with a habit God knew we were going to get there that's why he's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world he knew you could mess up he knew you could sin but he had a way out before you ever got in turn to three people and say there's a way out There's a way out of sin, there's a way out of habits, there's a way out of your past, there's a way out of depression, there's a way out of the abuse, there's a way out of the mind games, there's a way out of the bondage, there's a way out of suicidal thoughts. You may be in it, but there's a way out of it. Touch somebody next to you and say there's a way out of it. Amen, so today we're a part of a great church, amen, that has a tremendous history, a church founded under the dynamic ministry of Elder Haney, and now the Lord has brought the Browns here uh, some nine years ago, amen, to take up the mantle of ministry in this city. I want to declare, if nothing else, into the atmosphere of this church, amen, that this is a church bound for greatness, I hope you got a hold of it. I hope you recognize what God has done within just a few short months. Amen, God's giving you a building. You didn't think you had the money to get a bigger building, but the Spirit of God made bare his holy arm and he's letting you know by putting you on this property and blessing you like he has. This has always been a part of your future. You're on the way to greatness. man, it won't be long. This stage will be all the way at the back of this room. Test, one, two, three. I said it won't be long and this stage will be all the way in the back of the room. It won't be long. They'll be sitting up there in the balcony. It won't be long. They'll be parking all the way up and down the streets. It won't be long. There'll be hundreds receiving the Holy Ghost in this building. I've come to tell you, you are on the way to greatness. So one of the reasons we praise and worship God is because of how he's brought us over, how he's brought us through every entrapment of the enemy. There is a word from God, amen, that helps us praise God in spite of what's going on. We many times begin to praise the Lord because we understand that if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, amen, we wouldn't be here tonight. Sometimes we dance not because the music helps us, not because the worship music is so great, but when I rethink of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, can I preach to somebody and tell you you need to think about it. You need to think about where you were years ago and now look where you are now. That ought to bring a praise up in your spirit. But today I feel directed to bring us into a thought process that we are Still in and we are still on our way to greatness. The journey is not over yet. We thank God for this building. And now I've preached for 28 years, 23 of them evangelizing. And I've been in a few situations where new buildings were built and new buildings were obtained and they moved to new locations. And if we're not careful, we can feel like, ah, We can sit back and relax and feel like we have arrived. But can I tell you that this is just part of your journey to greatness. Can I tell you the best is yet to come. There is more land to conquer. There are more enemies to defeat. And there are more souls to save. Can I tell you life, church, there's more revivals to have. The best is yet to come. Would you look at somebody next to you and tell them the best is yet to come. Amen. It's going to get better. It's going to get bigger. I'm going to feel like I'm going to say it again. It won't be very many weeks, uh, and this stage is going to start moving back, uh, and it's going to move on back. Uh, I know the devil don't want to hear it, but I'm going to say it anyhow. It's going to get bigger. It won't be but a little while, and there'll be over 300 people in this room, uh, and they'll be worshiping God. Amen. So I want to preach to you and declare that greatness is on this church Greater moves of God, greater prayer meetings, greater outpourings Greater blessings, greater deliverance, greater growth Greater restoration, greater renewal Amen, you need to get it in your spirit We are destined for greatness We're destined to be remarkable, eminent, distinguishable, grand, and noble. We are full of emotion. We are predominant. We are ample. We are on our way to greatness. Yes, Israel was in Egypt. Yes, they were captive. Yes, they were in bondage 400 years. Yes, Pharaoh had beat them down. The taskmasters had beat them down with a whip. Amen. Yes, they took away the, the, the ingredients that it took to make strong mortar. Yes, they were beat down into ultimate defeat, but they were still on the way to greatness. I hope you're getting what I'm preaching to you now. It doesn't matter where you've been, what has happened to you, you are still here, and therefore you're on the way to greatness. No drug can stop you. No sin can stop you. No mistake can derail you. You are still on the way to greatness you believe that clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now am I doing all right? Am I screaming too much? Am I, am I doing okay? Can y'all hear me? Is everything all right? I'm sorry I ain't got but one gear and that's wide open. I feel what I'm preaching. But Now again, 1 Corinthians 10 says of this passage, let me get down to where I can connect with you. He said there were some that were overthrown in the wilderness. On the, everybody say, on the way to greatness. On the way to greatness. I wish I could tell you that on the way to greatness, everything was perfect. I wish I could tell you that on the way to becoming everything God wants you to become, that there was never mistakes. There were never oopses. T- test, test. See, if we're not careful, we begin to project some, some posture that the only way you can be great is you, can, you have to have a star-studded past. But the Bible, everybody say, he's in the Bible today. In the Bible, that doesn't bear that out. The only one that had a star-studded past is the Lord Jesus Christ. But for the rest of us, we've got an oops. Look at somebody and say, I have an oops. Y'all know what an oops is? It's a, I wish I hadn't. It's a, if only I hadn't. It's a, if only I would have. Everybody has a, if only I would have. None of us when we were in high school dreamed we would turn 30 and 40 and, and some of us are bumping 50 and some maybe be over 50 and some, most of us would have never thought we would have things happen that have happened. We never dreamed of the mistakes. We never dreamed of the bad decisions. We never dreamed, hey amen, I'm preaching good now. Hey amen, I feel the Holy Ghost connecting us now. We never dreamed that there would be the bad finances. We never dreamed that we would be stuck in an apartment and we wouldn't have 2,000 square foot of house. We never dreamed... We'd be driving used cars and not new cars. Am I preaching to anybody? We always thought it would be great. We thought when we got saved that there would never be a mistake. We thought when we got saved there would never be a fault or a sin. But that's not true. The Bible doesn't say if I fall. The Bible says when I fall. Look at somebody and say now amen will keep you out of trouble today. Man, some of you didn't say it yet so I'm just guessing the PA ain't on look at somebody and say an amen will keep you out of trouble amen it'll keep you out of trouble And amen will just let me keep on preaching if you get quiet I have two choices I either think they didn't hear me or didn't get it or they disagree and I'm for a fight or a Bible study either way And amen lets me know I can go to the next point so look at somebody and say I do have an oops come on look at somebody else and say I'm trying to be holy but I'm not innocent. Come on, some of you last night have an oops. <laughs> amen, look at somebody say, uh-oh, Holy Ghost is working now, amen. Amen, last night somebody had an oops, but you know what? You're on the way to greatness. First Corinthians 10 gets plainer. Hebrews 4 says they fell short of greatness or glory The gospel preached profited them nothing Because they did not mix faith with it First Corinthians chapter 10 Says they were overthrown in the wilderness There was a people who got to a certain place Where in Numbers chapter 14 They began to declare Amen And the congregation said Would God we could go back to Egypt You know you're in trouble When you start wanting to go back to What God has brought you out of Come on, somebody. Hey, Amen. Look at somebody say, I'm not going back. Oh, I wish I could sing. Hey, Amen. I'd start singing. I'm not going back. Hey, Amen. I'm not going back. I don't want to go back. But then the congregation said, Would God we could die in this wilderness. Now what you have is Egypt and wilderness and promised land or greatness. But the congregation got to a place where they said this is as far as we're going. They dug their heels in. They stood stiff necked sti- with a strong back and said we're not going any further. But when the Lord spoke to Moses at the burning bush he said I'm bringing you up. I'm bringing you out and I want to bring you into. I'm telling you into is a promised land. It's a place of greatness. I'm on the way home now. I want to Tell somebody, don't dig your feet in now and say, this is as far as I'm going and this is as big as we're getting. I've come to tell you, thank God where he's brought you from, but you're on the way to greatness. Thank God you're not where you were, but look at somebody and say, I'm not where I'm headed. That congregation now, I'm caught between preach and teach. That congregation said, we're not going any further. The Bible said they wept all night long. What did they weep? They wept over the promised land. Those spies came back with grapes hanging between two men, one cluster of grapes, dragging the ground. They, they wept over the good report of two that said those those people are meat for us. They're our strength. We can take them. The land is ours. The promised land is wonderful. But there were 10 that were so consumed with unbelief, they began to speak to the congregation, and they began to say the land's too big. It eats up the people. That doesn't mean it had teeth and it swallowed people. It literally meant that their piece of property, their piece of promised land was so big that there were other men telling them, you can't handle what God's trying to give you. So the promise was not only a collective promise to the whole nation of Israel, but the Bible said it was for every man. Look at somebody say, every man everybody got a piece of land. Everybody got part of the promised land. But there were 10 men that tried to speak up for everybody and said, you can't handle what's yours. You can't handle what God's been holding for you. Y'all have been wandering around for 40 years and you've been in bondage another 400. In fact, it's been 802 years since Genesis 12 when God told Abraham your seed's going to be blessed. This promise is 802 years old. But we come to tell you you can't handle it it's too big for you you're just a slave man you're used to being whipped you don't know anything about plowing you don't know anything about tilling the ground you can't handle what God has for you I don't know about you but I'm just a little bit too southern to let somebody tell me what I can't handle you got to be careful even religious people that want to tell you you can't be that blessed Pastor's already, he was bragging on you before they gave you the MVP award. Pastor was already bragging on y'all. He was telling me about you, amen. Been here just a few weeks and greatness is on you. You just, you can't even fathom. What's going to happen in this family? But you got to watch out. There'll be some people tell you, well, you had not been here long enough. and You don't know enough. The devil is a lie. There's got to be something that gets into every man. It's got to get into every woman. It's got to get into every guest that says it don't matter where I've been. It doesn't matter what I've done. I'm on the way to greatness. I wish somebody would look at your neighbor and say, I'm on the way to greatness. I'm going to turn around to somebody and say, I'm on the way to being great. I'm not always going to be like I am. I'm not always going to stay where I am. I won't always be depressed. I won't always be discouraged. I won't always be on the brink of quitting. I'm on the way to greatness. But on the way to greatness, watch the Bible now. I'm going to hurry. Everybody say, On the way to greatness on the way to greatness they had a death march because when the people of Israel said would God we could die in this wilderness you know why they wandered for 40 years? because the congregation said this is as far as we're going and so God looked at them and said that's fine 672,000 of you men that were numbered at Mount Sinai when you came out of Egypt that were 20 years old and up. He said, you will wander in this wilderness like vagabonds until your carcass falls in this wilderness. They wandered, ladies and gentlemen, because they said, this is as far as I'm going. Now you do the math. They're going to wander 40 years, one year, for every day they spied out the land. I did the math. I studied it out. They had 42 moves of God. The pillar of cloud moved 42 times over 40 years. That meant they had to move the tabernacle. When the cloud moved, they had to break the tabernacle down and take off and follow it. It moved them 42 times in 40 years. So it's not enough to just have a move of God. You have to come to a place where you ask yourself, am I on the way to greatness or am I wandering? You have to, as we say in Dallas, Texas, you have to inspect what you expect. And you have to do some self-analysis and you got to be brutal and plain with yourself and say, have I been here before? Am I just marking time? Am I moving but going nowhere? Or am I moving and I've been here before? I keep seeing this same thing. And I just go around and I keep, the, the Bible says three times in numbers, they were by Jordan near Jericho. Three times for sure, they came by the Jordan and they could see Jericho. Churches have to be very careful that we aren't comfortable being by the Jordan and near Jericho because you have Egypt and the Red Sea and then the wilderness, and then the Jordan, and then the promised land. You've got to cross two bodies of water to get to your promised land. You can't be content to just be by the Jordan or be closer than other people or larger than other people or more blessed than other people. You have to inspect what you are expecting and say, I've been here before. I need to go across this Jordan. I need to move on. Greatness, ladies and gentlemen, was the promised land. Greatness, ladies and gentlemen, was the place of fulfillment. Watch me. that when Paul looked back on this story he said they were up and out but when Paul looked back because they hadn't gone into the promised land he said the gospel preached profited them nothing that means it's possible to be born again and separated but if you do not move into your destiny if you do not proclaim possess the promises God has given you then the gospel profited you nothing I'm not going to get no amens. I got head nods galore, so I'm going to stay right here. I want to drop a bomb in Pentecost and tell you that it takes more than being born again and it takes more than just being separated and living a quote-unquote holy life. God birthed you, gave you the Holy Ghost and brought you out of Egypt not to just wander around but he brought you out of Egypt to bring you into the prophetic. Uh, amen. There is a revival. In fact I feel it now. Part of the spirit that is resisting this church is a spirit that's resisted the apostolic church in Los Angeles for years and its it don't want the church here. It doesn't want the apostolics here and one by one they fall but God's brought another group back to the top again and you're closer now than you've ever been and I've said you can't stop now when I dropped through the clouds when I dropped through the clouds yesterday and saw this city the last time I was here was 2006 when we had the Azusa crusade and this church was a tremendous help in pulling that event off where over 2000 got the Holy Ghost in those four days and six or seven services Amen, but every time since I've left, I've been grieved. Amen, because there's a spirit in this city that does not want the apostolic church to take a foothold. I'm gonna repeat myself amen one by one apostolic churches throughout history in this city have risen to some prominence greater than any church has done and then it falls off they back away they leave the truth or they say this is as far as we're going they do what they did in the Bible let's go back to Egypt we came out of the world but now let's go back to the world let's be worldly amen God saved us in the mess but now let's go back to the mess that's a lying devil amen and one by one they get to this point and stop off but I've come in here not to just preach a little revival but to say to This pastor and this pastor's wife brought them together from Tennessee and from Indiana. Why? Not to just babysit a group of people, but because God's got a prophetic word in this city, amen, a a word of greatness, Uh, amen. You might as well get ready for it. I'm going to preach now, amen. This will be a church of hundreds. Uh, This will be a church that will run over a thousand people, but you've got to decide. We're on the way to greatness and we're not stopping. Touch somebody next to you. Touch somebody next to you and say, we're not stopping. It'll be a multiracial church, a multicultural church. Amen. It will be a church of every nation, every kindred, every tongue. I wish I had somebody that really believed that. I hear that spirit in this city mocking, saying the apostolics cannot run thousands. The apostolics cannot be predominant. But I've come to tell you that's a lying devil because there's a prophecy on you, and it's a prophecy of greatness. Would you please turn to somebody and say, we have greatness on us. Come on, please turn to somebody and say, we have greatness on us. I want you to begin to believe I'm on the way to greatness. Come on, some of you had not done it. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, it ain't about where I've been. I'm on the way to greatness. It's not about what I did. I'm on the way to greatness. It's not what happened to me. I'm on the way to greatness. On the way to greatness They became captive in Egypt Everybody say On the way to greatness On the way to greatness God raised up a man named Moses On the way to greatness God sent you a rich brown On the way to greatness God brought them out of Egypt On the way to greatness They are 40 years Wandering in the desert On the way to greatness They had to cross a Red Sea On the way to greatness They endured A death march where over 82 men a day are dead and buried because God said every one of you that came out of Egypt that have decided you're stopping in this wilderness, he said you're going to die in this wilderness. Numbers says there were graves in the wilderness. He said before I let you go into the promised land, I've got to let that spirit of unbelief die off. You 672,000 men, let 10 men convince you the revival was too big for you, that the prophecy from Genesis 12 to greatness was not something you could obtain. So I'm going to let you march. It's going to be a spirit-led death march. There's going to be 42 moves of God, but you're going to bury 82 people a day. But while they were burying 82 people a day The Bible also says There were babies being born In the desert It was a new generation It was a new spirit It was going to be apostolic if you will Yes they were going to have to be born again They were going to have to go through the Jordan River That's water baptism They were going to have to be born again of the spirit They had to follow the cloud And they were going to have to cut themselves Or circumcise themselves And deal with their flesh Just like the last generation I'm not talking about a new doctrine I'm not talking about a new way I'm saying on the way to greatness Uh, amen there was a new generation born in the desert I've come in here to say I feel a new generation of faith stirring in Los Angeles I feel something in this church uh, that wasn't here the last time I was at your old building so I've come here to tell you on the way back to Indiana you are on the way to greatness somebody say I'm on the way to greatness so they wandered thank you sir And survived, leave it just like it is. A death march. They survived murmuring for 40 years. They survived complaining for 40 years. They survived Korah's rebellion for 40 years. Everybody say they were on the way to greatness. So on the way to greatness, they had to endure the murmuring, the complaining. On the way to greatness, they had to get past a Korah. But now they crossed the Jordan. The Bible says he brought them up and out of Jordan Jordan becomes a type of the flesh it's the muddy river it's the thing that Naaman did not want to be baptized in he said are not the waters of abandoned Par far much better they may be but the word of God is at Jordan go baptize in Jordan go dip seven times you, got to go, you can go get wet in other rivers if you want to but the creative word is in Jordan you're going to have to go down in Jordan now they're in this muddy Jordan now I don't know down in Texas we call them cricks y'all probably call them creeks but down in Texas we call them creeks and if you ever get in a creek or a creek amen it's about out of water and you start walking through it try to get some of them crawfish or crawdads crawling across there That it gets you get down in the mud you ever got down in the muddy bottom and got down in there and couldn't get your foot out you ever got in, in your shoes and trying to get out and poop you pop and your foot comes out of your shoe and you got to go back in amen so what it literally means when he brought them up out it literally means to pluck out there are some things that we get ourselves in on the way to greatness that God has to pop us out amen he has to literally pluck us up out of amen because you're on the way to greatness why because God said you're going to get yourself in a spot and it's going to take me to plop you up out of this amen you need to look at somebody and say God is pulling us out God's pulling us out of our past God's pulling us out of our dilemmas So the spirit of the Lord, what was not part of the prophecy, and I'll close, was a place called Gilgal. It was not part of the prophetic. The Lord didn't tell Abram on the way to greatness, I'm going to stop you at a place called Gilgal. It was an unscheduled stop. In fact, if you study it out, Gilgal's not even a place on the map. It was five miles past Jordan and two and a half miles just short of Jericho, which was the stronghold of the promised land, which they would have to shout down if they wanted to obtain the whole land. So the spirit of the Lord stopped them. Everybody say he stopped us just short of greatness. They had to come up out of something if they were to move into something. If you're gonna become great, you have to come out of the past. You have to let the Holy Ghost bring you out. You can't let anything that's happened or anything that someone said or done, amen, hold you down and keep you seized to an old moment. There's got to be something in you where you allow the Holy Ghost to pull you out. But on the way, he stopped them at Gilgal. They were past uh, what had happened and they were facing their future. They had come out of their yesterday and they were facing a tomorrow. They left where they had been and were on their way to where they were going. They stopped two and a half miles short of greatness. Jericho was the beginning of the possessing of the land and becoming a great nation that God had promised them and had called them to become. In other words, on their way to greatness which lay ahead of them, God said, I've got to stop you, at a place called Gilgal. Their destiny was fixed, prepared, and ordered. The land was theirs. They only had to wait till God's timing and God's tuning intersected and it would be theirs. Until then, their enemy occupied what was theirs. But before they could enter in what was theirs, they had to stop at Gilgal. Before they could go into what was theirs, before they could go into what had been prepared, they had to be prepared for what was prepared. They were facing and moving into greatness. But they had to stop at Gilgal to get prepared for what God had prepared. Today, I'm not just preaching a three-night or three-day revival, but I've come here to say to this church, you are on the way to greatness. And I believe that this weekend, specifically this service, is a stop on the way to greatness. At Gilgal, he said, number one, I want you to incline or to encamp. The word is to incline, to rest. It is a resting place. It is a sila. Every now and then, in a church's journey, they have to come to Sila moments where there is a pause a sea lion scripture is a pause it's where you breathe deep it literally means to reflect on what has been but to prepare on what is to be it literally becomes a word of elevation or in musical terms it is a modulation or a key change it is to go from one key to a higher key so there comes points in a church's journey that God says I need you to stop here long enough so that you can pause so that you can kick back and incline for a moment. I want you to think about where I brought you from. I want you to remember the pit that you were in but now I want you to look ahead. There's a new level coming. There's a new dimension coming. There's a new breakthrough coming but I need you to stop at Gilgal. God had brought them to a place called rest. A 40-year wandering journey, death march, now comes to an end at a place called Gilgal. Gilgal was not their destination. They did not circle a place on the map and say, this is where we're going. Gilgal was was just a stop-off point. It was a place of rest. Everybody say, on the way. Come on, everybody say, on the way to greatness. This will be a beginning. This is to be a motivation, an inspiration to go from here and possess the land. Gilgal is not even a place or a town, a spot on the map. It is a place you stop. It is where the Holy Ghost checks to see if you're really following him. He wants to stop you so he can refuel you, renew you, and recharge you. What else happens at Gilgal? Joshua 5 and 9, and the Lord said to Joshua, this day have I rolled the reproach of Egypt from you, wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. It was at Gilgal you would not only rest, but God said when you get there, I want to roll away your reproach. I want to roll away, the word reproach literally means shame. Scorn So while you're on the way to greatness You are resting I'm going to roll away your shame So Gilgal now becomes a place of removal In this place I will roll away your shame Shame comes from a word that means to point the finger at. People may have been pointing the finger at you. Egypt was pointing the finger at them. You left 40 years ago. They were pointing the finger at. You said you were going to be in Canaan in 14 days. But you've been out here 40 years, so Egypt, everybody say my past, was pointing a finger at me. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. There's got to be something you understand today that everybody has a past. I said everybody has has a past, but you got to stand up strong with your shoulders back and say, you can point your finger at me all you want to, but I'm
2: going to have a move of God that will stop the finger pointing.
1: I feel like preaching today. Come on, look at somebody and say, no more finger pointing. He said, you are here so I can remove the shame. Shame has to do with who I am. It is the accusation of who I am. But we must not confuse shame with its two cousins, guilt and embarrassment. Guilt means I have done something and I'm guilty of what I did. Embarrassment says what I was guilty of you found out. We are guilty when we do it and we are embarrassed when somebody finds out. It's bad enough to do it, but the enemy makes sure to put the spotlight on us and put you on center stage and then hell points the finger at you and says, look what you've done. But God said, I'm going to roll away your shame, which has to do with who I am. I will roll away the shame of Egypt. I will roll away the shame of murmuring and complaining. I will roll away the shame of Korah and Aaron and Miriam's rebellion. I will roll away what Egypt has perceived you to be. You've been wandering 40 years, and Egypt has pointed the finger at you, but I'm going to stop the finger pointing. I know you ran out of food and water. I know you wandered like vagabonds. The heathens were pointing their finger at you. If you are the people of God, what you are doing, why are you wandering around like vagabonds aimlessly? That's what shame says. Shame says if you're a child of God, then why did you do what you did? If you're supposed to be so holy, then why did you live like you lived? And so shame mocks you in the night and it mocks you in your sleep and it mocks you in the day. Every time you see somebody that knows your business, Amen. They may not point the finger literally but in the spirit you can feel them saying "Uh uh-huh, I know what you did but I've come my way on the way to Indiana to tell somebody God wants to stop the finger pointing in Los Angeles. Egypt was pointing the finger at them causing them to feel shame. What? Shame is the inconsistency between who I am and what I do. They were identified as the children of the Almighty God, but they were living in a way that was inconsistent with what and who they said they were. So God brought them to Gilgal to roll the shame away. The inconsistency between who I am and what I do. Ladies and gentlemen, even though we are great and we are on the way to greatness, we don't always act great. I I was hoping I had an amen up in here. Amen, you're gonna get delivered from shame when you begin to be willing to admit, on my way to greatness, I haven't always been great. Come on now, I I know you don't wanna blow your cover, and I feel a little Egyptian finger pointing going on in here, but I want you to look at somebody and say, I'm about to get real. Come on, look at somebody and say, I'm on the way to greatness, but I haven't always acted great. I haven't always worshiped like I shoulda. I haven't always lived like I shoulda. I haven't always given like I shoulda give. Everybody
2: has a past.
1: So shame comes when I am what I am, but I do what I do. It wouldn't be so bad if I did what I did and I were not who I am. But the problem is that I am what I am and I did what I did. If I am what I am, then I should have did what I did. But the problem is, I am what I am and I did what I did. Oh, I should not have done what I did if I am what I am. Because God has declared that I am great, but I have not always acted great. I am preaching to real people. Shame comes when I look at me and know there's something better in me than that which has come out of me. And I know there's an inconsistency in me and the world sees this inconsistency in me and they begin to point the finger at me and say, if you're so great, then why did you do what you did? So today, we must have God roll away shame. And I tell you, even when Israel had been in bondage 70 years in the Old Testament, God was giving them a prophetic word, pastor, to deliver them, telling them they were going to be great. He said, the the thing that that they were struggling with was their shame. He told them, don't be ashamed. Shame is worse than what you did. Shame says you messed up and you can never regain your moment. Shame says you had one chance and that's all you get and I'm just going to drop a bomb in here if we're not careful in pentecost we're going to have this proceed pharisaical holiness that when people do mess up we can't even recover them because we have in our mind a paradigm that if you're holy ghost filled you'll never have a mistake that's a lie somebody say that's a lie There has to be something that begins to raise up in our spirit that says, amen, I may have messed up, but I'm still on the way to greatness. God said, I want to roll the shame off of you. Everybody say, roll the shame away. Amen. I'm 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 just going to... help y'all with the breakdown. Come here assistant, pastor, help me. Now the culture reveals removal or the rolling away. This is going to be my camel. Now watch the culture. Egyptian culture. The, the, the camel carries the huge burden. You've seen pictures of them. They're weighed down with the burden. They start down low, go low. Go all the way down. I know you got a pretty suit on. Your wife can take you to the cleaners later. Don't move. Just You've never been to the ABI. You don't know how to do dramas. Kneel down. Amen. I'm picking on you to see what you got in you. But the camel has to come all the way down so that the bird seat. Now watch, watch me. Please watch me. Is the camel can only be burdened when he's brought down. It's when you fall, when you make the mistake, when you have the oops, when you sin, when you are brought down. The Bible says when I fall, that's when the enemy comes in and starts piling the burdens on you because he don't want you to get up. He piles, you, piles weight on you and burns and he puts stuff on you. But then finally, hey amen, you get up. You manage to, to get up on your feet and that camel gets up and he has to kind of rock himself up and now when he walks, if he ever knows the camel when he walks, he kind of and that, that weight, that, that load on him starts rocking back and forth. There's people in here that have walked in. Oh, you walked in but you walked in rocking carrying the load music's fantastic but you can't worship you used to dance and shout but now you don't do it no more because you got a weight on you and that weight that burden is rocking you back and forth but now he says now I'm going to remove that weight that got put on you when you got down so now for the now to, now to get him down stay with me no 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 no, no. here's the way the culture the, 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 the little fellow that's in control of the camel he's got a pole and he has to don't go down quick just stay with me he has to tap him on the knees and he keeps tapping him until finally that camel starts rocking back and forth until he goes down he said if I can get you back on your knees I can roll away your shame there comes a point at Gilgal when the Holy Ghost taps a church and a people on their knees because if he can get you down on your prayer bones I can roll that shame off of you I, as long as you're, as long as you want to act like nothing happened, as long as you want to stay upright, and as long as you want to be proud and be your own man and your own lady, then you just wander through life and you just stumble around with all this weight on you, and you just, you just keep acting like nothing happened. You keep acting like you didn't do nothing. Hey Amen. I'm not preaching that. You, that it's okay to mis- have a sin and mistake. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that when you fall, you can get up. Amen, you don't want to wander around through life carrying the load, everybody say, of my past. I'm not going to carry the oops. I'm not going to carry it. So the Holy Ghost comes by and taps us until we get low enough. And then God says, now I'm going to roll the shame off of you. Amen, you know what the Bible said? If we would humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he said, I will exalt you into season." seasons. Third thing that happens. Thank you, sir. He said, I want you to get 12 stones. And he said, I want you to, it's all right. It's all right. Sound man, like them knobs. He said, I want you to get 12 stones. And I want you to build a memorial. guess so, we gotta hurry, might as well have help I know, we're, we're time conscious this new generation, you know, my God he said, so I want you to, now watch, he said I want you to pick up these stones and I want you to build a memorial watch, I want you to pick the stones up watch me, out of what I brought you out of preaching so good I'm going to buy my own tape if I keep this up one more point and I'm buying my tape who keep preaching good today I'm telling you Now I want you to get it I want you to bring a stone out, out of what I brought you up out of and I want you to get 12 of them one for every tribe and I want you to build a memorial watch five miles the other side of Jordan two and a half miles just short of greatness ladies and gentlemen two and a half miles is about a 45 minute walk 45 minutes from greatness 45 minutes from possessing a promise That was 802 years old. I wonder how close some of you are right now to God removing the shame and God letting you become what He's always knew you could become. I got one yes, sir, right here. I heard it. Yes, sir. Causes us to withdraw, to back up, to calm down, recoil, go into a shell, back away. Because we think that if we're going to be great, we can only be great. I roll that shame off of you I want you to build a memorial why I'm done he said because when the next generation comes and says what mean these stones he said all I want you to tell him was he brought us out of the Jordan onto dry ground did you get it he said What he was saying was, I don't want you to explain, Korah. I don't want to know about the murmuring and the complaining and the wandering and the denial of the promise. I don't want to know nothing about it. There is a place in God in your journey where God wants to remove the shame off. And he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to draw a line in the sand and say, this is as far as your enemy can take you back. After this, all you got to say is, he brought us up and he brought us out. So it don't matter where you've been, it don't matter what you've done. When I get back to Fort Wayne, I'm gonna preach about you. Your worship made me happy. I seen him up there. He's either got salsa or he got a black man in him, one of the two, but he got some grooves, huh? a black man trapped in a white body I noticed it right away he's even going bald headed hallelujah that's what I'm talking about my buddy on the internet the other day said man you need to comb your hair different you're going apparently I'm going bald up in here somewhere I don't know that's the black man coming out hallelujah amen so what I felt like preaching to you today was that God has not just brought you to a new piece of property And I've been preaching too long to know any different everybody has a past everybody has I wish I hadn't everybody has if only I would have thank you I got a couple of good rights I got some of y'all ain't saying Like I ain't got no past liar, liar, pants on fire or dress, hallelujah comes a moment in your walk with God where you have to say, okay, I'm not going to keep living with the weight of my past. I'm not going to keep coming into the place of liberty and feel bondage because your enemy wants to tie you to your past, to your mistake, to your sin, to the abuse, to the lie. God said at Gilgal, there comes a place where I want to roll it off of you so that you can build a memorial at that place that says from this day forward all I talk about is he brought me up and he took me out. Stand with me all over the building. grab somebody's hand next to you. That's a person on the way to greatness. That's a soul winner. That's a prayer warrior you're holding. That's a saint of God. No more shame, mama. I seen it on you when I came in. about what has been and what you did you just say after today I'm going to walk up here and I'm going to put my hand on one of them rocks symbolizing that I'm laying a rock down here today and in this gym in this new place listen, listen brother God and I hope you've connected the dots this was an unscheduled stop Never in your wildest imagination would you have ever dreamed you'd be having church in a YMCA. Never in your wildest imagination would you have thought they would have come to you and said, we need you to teach our children. It's an unscheduled place. But you're on the way to greatness. Just play song, play song. You're on the way to greatness. So now what you've got to decide is the old campus and anything back past that. Today, I lay a stone. And I say, from here on, all I talk about is he brought me up and he brought me out. When They left Gilgal, 45-minute journey. They had to march around that city for six days, one time silently, two and a half million. But on the seventh day, they went seven times. And with one praise word called Ruach, R U W A C, they shouted as if to cause something to break. And when they did, the walls fell flat. You can read the story. Every tribe got their piece of land, and every family and the head of the house got his piece of property. But they had to go by Gilgal before they could get it. Because you can't possess what God's trying to give you if you still got shame on you. God said, I want you to stop right here. and I'm gonna roll this off of you so you can become what I always knew you were gonna be. Amen. Lift somebody's hand up right now in this building. I pray for the neighbor next to you. And I'm gonna open up an old-fashioned altar service. For somebody that says, that's it, I'm on the way to greatness. And you're going to walk right up here to this front and just lay your hand on one of these rocks for just about three seconds and say, I lay my past right here. I'm not talking about it anymore. Is there anybody that wants to walk out in front of this whole congregation and say, I'm not afraid to say, I've got a past, but I'm walking off from it right now. Preacher's going to lead the way. I'm going to lay my hand up here and say, I'm going to lay my hand on a rock and I'm done with it right there. Come on, come on. Sister Brown, it's all yours. Amen. Altars are open. If you need a miracle, if you want the Holy Ghost, I want you to come right here. Come, stay right here in this altar and let's worship with Sister Brown. Come on, right now. Hands are up. somebody next to you. Come on, pray with them in the name of
2: Jesus.
1: Would you lift your hands and praise
2: him? Everybody's
1: praising him. Everybody's praising him. Come on, lift, your
2: lift your hands.
1: Everybody lift your hands. The Bible talks about tongues and interpretation which are gifts of his spirit the Lord uses to confirm his word what has just happened is tongues and an interpretation and the rest of that interpretation is God pleading with you to let go of your past let go of it there are gifts that I have for you there's greatness for you everybody has a past. So today, there's no more finger pointing from this day forward. This is not a church of finger pointing. This is a church of forgiveness, a church of restoration, a church of redemption, a church of renewal. Amen. Amen. Would you lift your neighbor's hand up with you all over the building? Lift their hand. Music's playing softly. Amen. That hand you hold is somebody that's on the way to greatness. You're on the way to greatness you can't even imagine what God's going to do with you how many people God's going to use you to bring to this congregation so they can be born again so that they can be ready for the rapture the soon coming of the Lord but most of all so that they too can reach somebody they can possess the promises of God and the promises of God are not just blessings of good and bigger and nicer houses and raises, but it's about reaching the lost. And I believe in the very few days ahead of us, you're gonna have to move this stage back because people are coming. You might as well get ready for it and you can't help them if you're still wrestling with your past. So would you lift your neighbor's hand up and would you with a loud voice thank God for the removal of our shame. Come on. God, I thank you for the removal of shame. Thank you for removing our past. Thank you for turning our face back to the future because there's greatness ahead of us. Come on, loud voice. God, I thank you. The hand I hold is on the way to greatness. Squeeze that hand. Let them know you're really praying for them. I'm praying for you. You're on the way to greatness. of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And if you're a guest and you're a first time guest, Pastor Brown and his staff, they offer you a free home Bible study that will teach you very clearly and concisely the word of God that will help you to understand if any man, everybody say if any man is in Christ he is a new creature and old things are passed away and all things become new, everybody say becomes new would you give the Lord a great big hand clap as your pastor comes come on
0: hallelujah, let's thank the Lord now for Brother Godwin's ministry to us today thank you Lord, hallelujah Lord, thank you Jesus Jesus Praise God. Praise God. Amen. We're thankful for what God has done in this place, some of which we can see much of it. We can't even see what has happened in the realm of the Spirit in the hearts and lives of people today. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm really looking forward to the Word of God continuing and uh, God doing a work in my spirit and your spirit as well. And uh, we have uh, Brother Godwin is going to be with us Monday night at the Pasadena campus at 7.30. And then Tuesday night at the Pasadena campus at 7.30. We figured we'd go ahead and use them up while we had them here. And uh, let uh, God speak to our lives through his ministry. And uh, so uh, we want to encourage you to come out, be a part of that. And uh, be ready to be enriched. Praise the Lord. I want you to find three people and shake their hands. I want you to look them right in the eye and say, man, I'm glad I made it today. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Man, I'm glad I made it today. Praise the Lord. Amen. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. We're going to put up a five-minute countdown so you have five minutes before we begin the uh, breakdown of this setting. And then, obviously, gentlemen, if you can help us when the five-minute countdown comes to an end. Many hands make light work. God bless you.